Welcome to The Drop, the homeopathic natural healthcare podcast. Learn how you can apply one of the world's most used traditional systems of natural medicine in your life. The views expressed in this podcast are the hosts. They're not to be taken as medical advice. All listeners are urged to seek advice from a qualified healthcare professional for diagnosis and answers to their medical questions. Welcome to The Drop. This episode is all about stress. I'm David Horbenschild. And I'm Celeste Salter. And we're both homeopaths with a keen interest in helping people stay healthy and also stress-free, I would say, too, Celeste. What do you think? <laughs> oh, David, 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 David. I am so stressed right now, and I'm not joking. I really am. <laughs> I just got some um, interesting news, which mm-hmm. is, you know, like... A lovely thing to get some interesting news but it has stressed me because it meant that everything I was thinking has now changed or needs to be modified and and I'm just going ah <laughs> what am I gonna do <laughs> kind of thing but apart from that I'm good <laughs> oh well that's good yeah and I think um, I got a bit I think I'm feeling a little bit anxious too I think it must be the topic matter looking I'm looking at stress I'm looking at adrenal fatigue I'm looking at um, all the ways people uh, deal with stress and I and I'm, I'm feeling stressful I think I'm channeling it and embodying it in my body but maybe through the course of this we can start to chill out a bit as we talk about the different coping mechanisms mechanisms that people can have for, for dealing uh, with stress. What do you think? I think it's a great idea. I, I really do. One thing I quite liked with what you said, I'm sorry that you're feeling stressed, but you talked about uh, change. And I think this is a, a, a kind of important thing to talk about because there is a biological or evolutionary reason for stress. And it has to do with our ability to cope to, I guess, changing circumstances or when there's some sort of acute um, or maybe life and death threat potentially um, that we we rally our resources to be able to deal with that situation. But that's sort of good back when we we're maybe like we we're cave people, but maybe not so good today. What do you think? I don't know if it's not so good, but it's certainly a bio, a biological or bio biosystem reaction. It's like our bodies just do it we don't consciously think, oh, I will now act in a stressed response. It, it really, it's nothing to do with our consciousness in the mm. sense our bodies automatically respond to the things around us that are, um, that we're, we're thinking of stresses. Mm. And, um, and maybe we might just spend a little bit of time just briefly talking about the, that process in the body, just so people can get a bit of a, a handle on, that you know, when they are getting stressed, it's it's not there's nothing actually wrong um, with them. Their their body is doing the right thing. It's mm. trying to figure out how to keep it safe or how to keep us safe. That's right, and it is a it is a survival mechanism, and we share it with other animals as well. We we, we this is part of I guess life on Earth, isn't it? Totally, totally. There are some F words that really describe this situation <laughs> in our bodies really well. There's um fight, flight. And I really like this one, freeze, because that's mm. what I tend to do. Mm. <laughs> but, um, the uh, the the way that our bodies do this um, automatically uh, really have a lot to do with this um, HPA axis, the mm. hypothalamus, pituitary gland, and adrenal glands in our body. Mm. You're right there about this biological basis, and I think just before we go into the HPA axis, it's important to say that. Not all stress is bad. Like 
you know, I th and I think this is what we're getting to, that there is a reason that we have this system in the body. It can help motivate, spur us to action when we need to. And it's more when there's a chronic situation or there's an inability to deal with the stresses. So those stresses are too much for our body to cope with that problems occur. And I think the HPA, HPA axis is a really good way to, to think about it. So most people will know what the A is in the axis and that's the adrenal glands. And I think there's a general awareness out there because if you, if you search online for something like adrenal fatigue, there's something like 3.5 million results you'll get from Google, you know, with blogs and videos and supplements and all sorts of services talking about treating this, this thing that they're calling adrenal, adrenal fatigue. So both the adrenal gland, the hypothalamus and the pituitary. And also, I would also throw in the the um, thyroid within this mix too because it's part of the the endocrine system they release hormones they communicate with our nervous system actually part of the nervous system as well um, they they communicate with the immune system they communicate with pretty much every single system of our body to rally those resources that we need when we are i guess requiring some sort of adaptation to the environment yeah um the thing that I, I really like, and we're going to put a picture up on the website um, of these, this, this access so that people can see where these are in the body. But the, the key one that I really like is the pituitary gland. Because you remember how you first hear about the pituitary gland is it's like the master gland in the body. It's the fat controller. It's a tiny little pea size gland in the middle of your head. Um, but it has so much power and regulation um, to keep the hormone system, which is the way that the body gets the information that it needs to do things like make you run if you're in a dangerous situation or make you be quiet uh, if you're in a dangerous situation. So the, um, the pituitary gland, you know, it's very important. But the way that it sends these messages down to the adrenal glands um, and then the adrenal glands produce all of these hormones in the body, which then contribute to um, this state of stress or mm. adrenal fatigue. And when you were talking before about, um, you know, the, the possibility of adrenal fatigue, it really is, uh, uh, there's this kind of like picture on like to try to build of, build up for people so that you can sense it. Because like a stress, like I just got some news today and it stressed me. Um, is one thing, you know, and already a couple of hours later, the stress has dissipated and I'm back to normal. So I feel, you know, pretty normal mm. again. But adrenal fatigue really happens when you get a stress and it doesn't really stop mm. or it doesn't really go back to normal. And then your body kind of gets used to, used to the level of these hormones flying around your body as the new normal mm. in inverted commas. And then another stress comes. And then another stress comes. And then six months, you've been in this state of heightened stress. Mm. Um, so you've been having more of these hormones, stress hormones flowing through your body, which more than it normally copes with. So it can cope with small, short bursts. Mm. Um, but it's not really designed to cope with ongoing onslaught of uh, cortisol and um, mm. uh, the other hormones that are contributing into that. 
And I think what you're talking about there, um, Celeste, is the difference between acute versus chronic stress. And that this system is really about dealing with acute stresses and not so good with dealing with chronic stresses. And what I liked in what you were saying is you're kind of talking about the phases of that system and when it's working really well and when it's starting to break down and, and, and when we don't feel like we're coping so well. And there are about three phases. And the first is that one that you talked about, like when you got your, your, that news and you said, oh, you felt stressed. And that's the alarm phase. And that's where you feel shock. And then, you, but then your body starts to respond to it. And that's what you, you said you're feeling now. You're feeling, okay, I had the initial shock, but I responded to it and now I'm feeling okay. What tends yeah, to happen, yeah, yeah. And then, but what tends to happen, like we get that alarm phase and then our body, you know, starts to rally its resources and we move into what's called the resistance phase and we start using more and more of our resources to success, successfully adapt to that stress. But when we are constantly have to use, you know, those resources, we start to deplete ourselves. There's, stress takes a toll on the body. And when it's prolonged, we're using a lot of our resources. And that's when we move into the final stage. And there's really only two parts of that final stage. We either successfully overcome the stressor and we're able to reestablish balance, and that's called recovery, or we enter exhaustion. And that's when the body's resources are completely depleted and we're unable to maintain normal function. And this is what some people call burnout or that's the adrenal fatigue stage when people really feel like they've done a lot, they've, they've, there's been so much stress and they're completely depleted and fatigued. That's excellent. I love the way you express that, David. The, the other thing that I just wanted to add in about that is that our biological system is not constant in our age. Like mm. So when I'm 30 um, years of age, the way my body responds is a lot different to when I'm 60 years of age. And so there's also a lot of research to show that we become less sensitive the older we are mm. to recovery mm. from the, the influx of these hormones into our system. And so we get this situation of um, that if we're highly stressed the older we are, mm. um, then it will – take a lot longer for us to recover. Mm. Um, and there's also some research that shows that older women um, uh, secrete more cortisol than mm. older men do. And so older women tend to be in states of more stress than mm. older men. And um, uh, But when we're younger, it's around the other way. Mm. Um, young, younger men tend to respond in a much more heightened uh, stress response way than younger women do. So it's 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 very interesting. It's not like it's like that thing that we've we said in the last um, mm. uh, drop that we talked about that we're very individual, um, and some of the individuality comes because of the ages that we are and the gender that we are, mm. uh, as well as just being the unique person that we are. <laughs> so oh, absolutely. The other types of uh individualizing aspects of stress have to do with what triggers us and our individual coping mechanism. So we have different triggers of stress. So what, what one person's trigger of stress is not necessarily another's. So an example of that is that it could just be 
stress of just coping in the bit world and its demands. And it could be around, say, family and relationships. And it could be relationships are the trigger for you. With somebody else, it could be about occupation or work or that, you know, that sort of level of performance that's, that's required in that sort of scenario. Or it could just be that base um, stress of just having enough, um, say, might be money to buy food and having a shelter and, and, and having clothes on your back, that sort, of, that sort of thing, or providing for a family. There's other types of stresses too. So there could be stress, stresses for people who are um, quite creative or, you know, they're performers of some sort. They're on the stage or they're, or, or more recently this week, the politicians that we've seen in the, in the news who are who've been um, very much exposed to the public uh, space uh, around leadership um, with the Liberal Party uh, this week as well, where where they're, they're having to step up and they're debating publicly and that can and, and scrutinise publicly. And that could be another sort of form of stress. I think they probably deal better with it, but I know I wouldn't deal very well with that sort of, that sort of stress. Um, there's the stress of leadership as well. So if you're, you're a leader and you have that responsibility. And the other thing is what you talked about too, just the stress of ageing. Just ageing is a... Um, is a stressor and our ability to cope over time changes our adapt uh, adaptability it's true our adaptability is a, is a big thing the um the thing i was uh, wanting to talk a little bit about is the resilience of our bio system or our biology if mm. you like because uh, when we're talking about stress it's like two parts they're not separate they are connected but you know, the nature of us talking about it means that we say something like there's physiological physiological stress, biological mm. stress, and psychological stress. Mm. And so there's a, like this, um, uh, the mechanism of what our bodies actually do with the stress and then how we think about it mm. or not think about it and respond to it emotionally or mentally. And so um, I think when we're looking um, as... Uh, holistic practitioners, we're looking at the interaction of both of these things, mm. not the separation of them. So we're not looking to uh, find a solution for the psychological stress that's separate to the biological stress. They're intimately connected um, in our way of looking at things. Would you agree with that? I so agree with that. I'm so glad you raised it because I think we tend, um, and this is I guess a Western or a modern way of looking at the way we try to reduce things. We try to reduce things to like one organ. Like when we say I have adrenal fatigue and when we do that, we miss the part as being connected to the whole body mind system involved in stress. And I think that's why you were talking about the HPA access. You were looking at the, the broader system. And then also when we just look at a particular organ or body system in, involvement in stress, then we might miss the bigger life context that might need attention or change. Yes, I, I, I totally agree with that as well. And that's a really uh, neat thing that you've just mentioned because I wanted to talk, if we could, a little bit about the breakdown, mm. the burnout zone in adrenal fatigue, mm. kind of like the, the worst of the worst situation. Mm. And... Um, I think maybe a couple of things I might mention just to start with is what some of those symptoms look like. Yeah. So like if, if you're in mm. if you're in adrenal fatigue, 
I love using that word. <laughs> it is a nice word, even even <laughs> if um, even if it's not sort of uh, a recognised sort of diagnosis more broadly. It kind of there's something about it which sums sums up the state, doesn't it? It does, but I think I think this 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 idea of what the common mm. the common symptoms are that you you would be experiencing if you are in this state mm. will look like this. You can't get up in the morning. It's really really hard. All through the day, you're feeling tired, but it gets to the evening and you kind of wake up <laughs> um, and you've got more energy and then you can't go to sleep. Mm. <laughs> Does it sound familiar to mm. a lot of people already? Mm. Um, you get things like cravings for salty food and <laughs> you find that you're doing a lot of things like drinking a lot of coffee or caffeine, but stimulants, but of all sorts. So it could be alcohol, it might even be you know, drugs of some sort, rec recreational drugs, you just find that you're, you're using them too much, you know, mm. that you're overstimulating yourself. And in doing so, um, something happens, like you get a bit of news like I did this morning and you can't handle it, <laughs> you know. The smallest thing happens and, oh, my God, I've flown off the handle. So, you know, my, level, my ability to handle any stress mm. becomes reduced down to... To, to zero and what we call it like um that sense of people around you are going i'm walking on eggshells mm. because this person is going to go off as a <laughs> trigger um and also the other thing you would notice is um if you're in this really in this state badly um you've got a weak immune system so mm. it's like it doesn't matter what's going down the slightest cold that is in the environment you've got it and you've got it bigger and longer than anybody else and you don't really recover from it you kind of get it again or you get the next thing um so you get this really kind of weak immune system um evolving and developing and in a funny sort of way i have just described what a lot of chronic fatigue sufferers um mm. have as their main daily living mm. um they get up out of bed or they can't get up out of bed. It takes them an hour to get out of bed. They walk to the kitchen and they're exhausted. It sounds mm. crazy to somebody who doesn't have that um, mm. particular situation, but it's literally internally they have no energy to do the simplest basic things. Mm. Um, they have no energy to do to do physically. Um, give them a mental task. Likewise, totally mm. zaps their energy. So this is kind of like, you know, pretty extreme, mm. but it's, these are the common symptoms of of the adrenal fatigue state. Mm. Now, I just mentioned a whole lot of things, <laughs> but for a lot of people, they might be doing this and not experiencing what we're calling a, adrenal fatigue because they're at the front end. This is part of their lifestyle. Yeah, they haven't reached <laughs> burnout yet. They're, they haven't reached burnout. They're doing they're, the zigzag, you know. They're, they're, when they start to to um, deplete, they, they fill up with coffee or something like that. <laughs> exactly. So mm. they find, you know, three out of seven days of the week they can't get up or in the morning mm. or they find Sunday night they can't go to sleep and then Monday morning when they have to go to work they can't get up or mm. it's really 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 hard so there's this real kind of connection between work mm. the work whatever the work is for somebody and the biology of our being how how mm. we going to engage in that work process um, and there are a lot of, with adrenal fatigue, there are a lot of other symptoms as well, which we can post on the website for people yeah. that, um, you know, explain in a bit more detail about things. But the, 
this kind of um, picture that I just painted, um, anybody who's um, done a little bit of homeopathy study or <laughs> looked into any remedies will know that I have just described in a nutshell the Nux Formica <laughs> remedy. <laughs> and that's and that's that's a remedy that's known around the world in uh, general terms as being really good for hangovers. Yes. Because, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's it's the remedy really for modern living, isn't it? Where where there is that sort of maybe zigzag of using the the uppers and the downers, or you know somebody needs the coffee to get going in the morning, but then they might need the the alcohol to relax and and unwind at night. That they're having to constantly perform. Maybe they're very work focused as well. It's about those sorts of those sorts of things, and it's the constant demand, 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 like a very fiery type sort of sort of sort of state and and they get all those other things which are, are, uh, where, where people don't necessarily recognize those connections you talk about where somebody might come in say to a to an actual therapist and say oh my digestion and gut health is really bad it's not working and then if the practitioner only looks at it as like oh this is a problem with gut health not really realizing that it's actually about the stress and the constant demand this person is placing on their life They'll never get that gut um, uh, health addressed because it is actually connected to the whole state. It's not just the it's, it's, it's a part of a state. It's not a thing on its own separate. Yeah, that's that's right. And that um, uh, in a sense with that example you just gave about the gut. Um, you know, mm. I just look at that and go, well, that's an effect, not a cause. Yeah. The cause is not in the gut. The cause is somewhere else. Mm. And if you don't go to try to find what the cause is, the fundamental expression of the effect never changes or it might palliate a little bit. Mm. And you can certainly take my lantern till the cows come home. But, you know, it's not going to <laughs> – yeah. um, it's not really going to fix – or say my lantern or slippery on butt powder. Mm. You know, it doesn't matter. Mm. You can take a, a, a natural a natural version of uh, – um, a common solution for for masking the problem, not mm. actually addressing the cause of it. Yeah. The um the I just wanted to talk a little bit about Nux vomica if we could, but yeah, please do. not from the point not from the point of view of saying Nux vomica is the solution mm. to adrenal fatigue because mm. it isn't the solution for adrenal fatigue. It's the solution for someone who really fits the Nux vomica picture. Mm. Um, and it's always important for the remedy to be the remedy for you and your whole state, just like you were talking about mm. the bigger picture, not just a couple of symptoms and tick the box. Mm. There's, a, there's a solution. Um, and the one of the things about Nux Vomica um, that I quite wanted to bring out is the, or the, the state with adrenal fatigue. So I might use the terms interchangeably, mm is this um, relationship to work mm. and, um, and work ethic. Mm. And um, the, the sense that somebody in this state has about the importance of work mm. and, um, and their, their relationship to work, it's, it's big, mm. it's paramount. And um, I was thinking a little bit earlier today, it's almost like if you were to say to somebody, you're working too much, mm they will look at you blankly like <laughs> you don't know what you're talking about. Mm. This might be somebody who's doing two jobs, not because of financial destitution, mm. but because in their mind they need to be achieving and um, 
they they're doing great things they're achieving things they're this is part of their temperament isn't it this is their nature and they don't see any other way of being other than being like this exactly and they're trapped in it like Mm. so there's no give so um so when they're starting to exhaust their inner resources Mm. their their inner vitality their inner energy their capacity to 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 be in that workplace in the way that they've been and they're mm. starting to de devolve destruct mm-hmm. um, you know not cope um the last place that they will look is that it's their job mm. jobs work uh and their attitude to it it will be everything else mm. um and they will be looking for every other solution under the sun to maintain their inner um vitality and make sure that we go uh, before we finish this uh, mm. a podcast and, and we share some uh, coping mechanisms, you know, and um, stress relief. And I think the Nux Vomica example gives one example of how to, how somebody copes or, or is in the world. So we know that they, they use the, the, the stimulants in the morning to get going and they're really driven by work and occupation and they indulge in the, the rich foods um, as fuel. And then at the end of the day, they have to get on the alcohol to do the opposite, to sort of calm down. And they repeat this cycle. But that's only one way of, de- of, of I guess, coping with stressful situations. And at the beginning, we talked about the, the basic biological way of, of coping, which is that intense um, acute situation it's almost automatic like a reflex and sometimes it can be quite panicky too if you if you perceive something as being this is a life or death situation you can it can develop a sense of 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 panic and freak out you know that that sort of thing whereas there are other people who are quite more optimistic in a stressful situation and they cope just just differently they just know if they they push through maybe they're more they're more slower methodologic oh my god they're slower. Methodological. Thank you. Thanks, Celeste. They'll just push through it and they know eventually that they'll, they'll get through. But there are other people um, who might feel very claustrophobic, like that this life situation or this stressful situation is, is like a, a narrowing tunnel. It's coming in on them and they just feel that urge to just, they're very restless and, and um, they might lash out at times or um, they might do the opposite. They go off and travel. You know, that's their way of coping. They want the holiday. They go on the holiday and that's the way of unwinding and, and, and travel is actually and, and things like that uh, and, and, and potentially things, creative pursuits are their way of actually dealing or coping with the stressful situation. And there are another group of people who do something very differently. To, to cope with a stressful situation, they try to control it. They try to control everything, but then when they try and control it, control everything to lower their, their sense of anxiety, they stretch themselves beyond their capacity at, at times. But they feel like they have to constantly maintain um, control and that, that way the stress will be managed, but it, it's not. It's very much a, a chronic situation when, it, when, it's, when it's like that as well. And there are other people who will do things like they almost will go in denial about it. You know, they'll avoid it or they'll, they'll cover up their, their, their sort of maybe there's some feeling of inadequacy. And, that, and that's that's the reason why they, they feel stressed, inadequacy for dealing with the situation. So they'll, they'll cover it up and they'll appear like they're coping, but they're but they're really not. But that's also part of their coping mechanism. It's the mm. it's the, the the avoidance or the or, or the cover up. And then there are also there's sort of very extreme ends of that, too, where people will just in a, in a stressful situation, it could be so bad they just want to isolate themselves um, 
completely. They'll, they'll cut off um, and that could be a very, very extreme situation. So there's quite a, quite a blend and there's sort of combinations of all those. And we tend to also have a default way. Like what, uh, uh, and by default, I mean it's when we have a stressful situation and it's sort of enduring, we have a default mode or, or way for, for coping and that's, that's different. For everybody. I was going to say our go-to initial response. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and it could be a learned thing, you know, it could be related to the temperament, as you said, with um, with the Nux Farmaker situation. But mm. Look, what you were just talking about, those um, seven different mm. uh, responses, I really like them because they kind of showed the transition or the integration between the physiological and the psychological response Mm. to the stress and um, when you started off talking about panic the first thing that happens when we panic is we stop breathing Mm. yeah so we get this kind of like physiological response and then um the uh, as you go further and you're talking about the optimistic response or you're talking about the um claustrophobic response these these become kind of like emotional responses a bit too mm. so it's like a transition between the two mm. and there are there are lovely techniques that we can um, use depending on what our stress response mm. if we know what our major stress response is there are things we can do immediately that help help us um, with that so for example if we if we do go into panic mode and our breathing becomes shallow and um, light mm. practice a breathing technique yeah. immediately yeah <laughs> and all of a sudden we've, we've changed the biological response in our body that's mm. actually what i did this morning um mm. practice some breathing and my stress levels went way down mm. um and whereas if the uh, propensity is for super control and um trying to control everything and it's all uh, mentally driven mm. mindfulness meditation practices are really good mm. to, to help us um, change that kind of response and, and everything in between. So mm. it, it's it's kind of like yeah, a, a neat kind of um, uh, way of looking at. You know, there are things we can do immediately. Oh, absolutely. And, and and then the other part is just around just lifestyle in general. So we know that HPA axis that um, you introduced us earlier in the podcast um, has a role in the biorhythms. You know, the, the our sleep wake cycle. Um, when we're alert, when we, we're getting, um, you know, ready to, to sleep. And one way to help deal with stress is to have a regular rhythm. And that if we're finding that we're going out of sync with the rhythms is to deliberately and consciously to, I guess, get in sync with, with those biorhythms. So, you know, get up at, at a, a similar time, not have lots of stimulants before you go to bed so you can you can actually drift off to sleep or, or don't have lots of screen time you know like you know we've got these blue lights from phones and things like that messing um with um our awake sleep cycles so just even doing things like that they're, they're messing with our um serotonin and melatonin levels which are hormones in the body which interact in our endocrine system which you know ultimately have some impact on all of the organs in the endocrine system including the adrenal gland the pituitary gland the hypothalamus <laughs> etc so you know we we're just here you know living our life doing our daily things but inside there's this massive 
factory of interactions and reactions going on and we don't realise the impact these things have. And they accumulate, don't they? They, they really, really, really do. And I'm going to touch on a couple of other ones. And other than sleep, we've got to talk about diet as well as exercise. So regular exercise is a great way to manage, you know, manage stress. And it doesn't have to be much. And it can be tailored you know, to the individual. So it could just be as much as a leisurely stroll or, or building in uh, more walking into your daily life to something more more intense. It, it, um, and in, in terms of diet, it's avoiding all those bad foods and all those sugary foods and all those stimulants and making sure that we eat good, nutritious foods. I, I, I was just thinking of um, two things that came up when you talked about exercise. Mm. Because in one of those um, examples you gave earlier, that sense of claustrophobia where somebody's getting really restless, mm. um, it's like their body is going, "Oh, I need mm. to move. I need to. I need. To, I need to move. I need to get out." And and you'll see um, people that you know that the way that they manage with their stress, consciously or unconsciously, is that they're very mm. active. And if for some reason they get laid up and can't uh, through injury and can't actually do the physical activity that they were doing before, they get really, really mm. stressed as opposed to somebody else who whose main mechanism of stress uh, release is not through the physical body, then maybe not they're not quite so affected. Mm. This brings that issue of uh, individual responses back in. The other thing that came up for me when you were talking, oh, it's two things I'm just thinking of, two of my clients mm. um, that uh, have these kinds of issues where they can't sleep. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so we're saying, oh, get regular sleep. But they're mm. going, but I can't. I get to bed I, and I'm there for three mm. hours lying in bed wide awake. How do I get to sleep? How do I get to sleep? And um, I think this is really a place where um, looking at um, how to support somebody with homeopathy mm. really helps a lot because we're able to – help support that whole picture not just the fact that the sleep mm. isn't coming sleep never sleep deprivation or sleep uh sleeplessness is never in isolation mm. um just like um my desire to eat many sugary <laughs> foods and drink mm. alcohol never just happens in isolation That's right. <laughs> there's a yeah. lot going on and 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 that that thing you were talking about before about how how a lot of our things that we're exposed to, we're just trying to find the one explanation, mm. the one point. Uh, we can't. Mm. We're a complex system. It's never um, really one thing. So think, Even when we want it to be, it's, 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 it's you know, <laughs> if, we're, if, we're, if we're being, um, if we're looking at things in the most holistic way, we, we, we are putting the connections together. And, and that was a good example with sleep. So um, in that case, that, that there might be something else that's the, the reason for that sleep or the, the lack of sleep being in place, which is then um, uh, cr creates the state of stress in the body because they're not coping because they haven't had enough sleep. So there's different ways to look at this and how what the, maybe the causal chain is for, for, for an individual. Mm. And I think that other thing you, is a really good point you said about, um, say you're the claustrophobic type and you're restless and then finding a way, if you're that person, your way to relax and, and maybe... Um, to disseminate some of that nervous energy is going to be different than than somebody who has a different coping mechanism. So, giving yourself time to relax each day, and and um, you know, for for one person that could be 
could be doing exercise. It could another person that could be getting in the garden. For another person, it could be doing something creative. Another person could be sitting on the couch knitting. Another person, it could be um, uh, meeting up with friends and having a chat about it. This so, or it could be curling up on the couch every now and again and watching Netflix. Like everybody has, a, you know, different ways to relax. And of course, we've got those beautiful other techniques in natural medicine, things like. A meditation like you talked about mindfulness practice yoga tai chi and um, um, our, our beautiful uh, uh, herbs and homeopathic medicines which can help support people um, through stressful times yes so david um i've got a confession to make i'm a recovering workaholic <laughs> um, and uh, 30 years ago a lovely natural health practitioner said to me dear you you're mm. very stressed and i said what? What are you talking mm. about? I'm not stressed. I'm just doing mm. my normal job and, you know, doing the normal things in my life, yada, yada, yada. Mm. And it took me about 20 years to realise that this woman 30 years ago was completely correct. <laughs> and, um, yeah. And, yeah. and so it's like this, um, you know, and I had mm. no awareness back then because everything I was doing in my life, which was very work orientated, seemed to be mm the right thing to be doing um and my mm. engagement with life uh and work was um achieve 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 mm. and so um i'm just sort of wondering do you have any thoughts about when um when somebody is in this state mm. of getting themselves on the path towards adrenal fatigue mm. and complete burnout. Yeah. Do you have any advice well, or thoughts about how to? Yeah, I, I do. And I think, like, firstly, when you're talking about that scenario, and that's a common scenario because in workplaces, those sorts of behaviours are promoted. You know, that's what the norm is and what, what, is, expe what is expected. Um, and I think... For some people, they'll, they'll come with particular symptoms and won't have the, the, the connection to the bigger picture and why the stress is, they're actually, they're actually stressed in the first place. And this is where a natural health practitioner can help because the natural health practitioner takes all of those symptoms and takes you along on the journey so you can get some awareness of what's really going on underneath and helps put a plan in place so you can deal with it. But other people might have an inkling already. You know, they might think, yeah, something's not quite right here. Mm. And this is also a signal that maybe you should go see a natural health practitioner who that the, the fact that they are aware of it makes things so much easier mm. because they're already on, um, you know, they're already making a first step. Awareness, awareness is, is so important when making life changes that are, that are healthy life changes. If you don't have those, that awareness, it can be very difficult to put anything, anything in place. And other people may be already further down the track. So I thought the chronic fatigue example was a good one because we know that with some people with chronic fatigue, it's um, precipitated not only by necessarily like um, a um, infection or something like that, that they might have had a, a very a busy uh, lifestyle with a lot of demands placed on top of them. And then they really release, reach that collapse stage and they don't get back up from that collapse stage. And they might be in that collapse stage thinking back about those times where they were so busy and able to do so much. And this is a, a great place for um, natural therapies to help with convalescence, to start building up uh, resilience of the body, start to recover health, 
but also to put in place some practices so they don't fall back into that same pat pattern of, you know, overexerting themselves and then collapsing. Overexerting themselves and collapsing because that's just repeating the same cycles. And again, this is why natural medicine fits in and a natural medicine practitioner. It's about stepping back, seeing the big picture, seeing the broader life context and helping you make those positive changes which are hopefully are sustainable rather than just band-aid fixes. Mm. No, that's excellent, David. Thanks. Thanks for that advice. So that's probably it, I think. That was a really interesting uh, conversation. And I think, um, like, if I was to summarise some, some of this stuff, I would say that really, firstly, that stress is a natural biological survival function and it's, it's there for a reason. It's there to help us access more of our internal resources to meet those challenges we face. And it's really when, um, you know, our ability to meet those stresses... Um, decreases. Um, is let, yeah, decreases that there is a there is a pro, there is a problem we don't have those inner resources to cope and that's where we could get to that point of um, that we, we don't recover and enter a state of exhaustion or depletion and I think the other thing that we talked about is when we look at it more holistically that yeah there's a biological aspect to this but there's also a psychological aspect there's those coping mechanisms we have and and um, beyond the flight or fight you know so you know you know are we are we the one that runs away from our problems or uh, are we are the one that tries to just control the situation and and, and that way we get on top of uh, top of the, the the stress um and and every every other um blend in, bet in between um and i think the other thing is around the triggers so not everybody is triggered by the same things you know, so for some, it will be work and family and relationships, those sorts of things, or it could be around their ability to perform and um, do what they do, or it could be even around leadership um, and the ability to perform as a leader, for instance, or any other, any other uh, scenario as, as well. Um, and I think the last one is that natural medicine has ways to support us, and that could be while we're undergoing stress so it might just be helping us adapt to the stressful situation but at the other other end it can be to help us step back to look at the bigger picture to rec uh, recover some health but also to put in place changes that will help us make us more resilient through life yes and i just want to add one more oh brilliant <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, that um we're talking about um from acute stress right mm. down to chronic stress and yeah. that you know we can be anywhere on that um continuum we can be mm. right down at the end of totally total burnout um but we might not be there which is really good if we're not and mm. but we can identify where we are on the spectrum uh, mm. or that continuum and we can do exactly what you were saying is start to identify how are, how did we get here? <laughs> how did we get mm. to this spot? Um, and then that means having that um, bigger picture um, mm. where a natural health practitioner can help be a bit of a mirror and reflector of the bigger picture and some mm. of the options that are available to to us to make the changes that we yeah. want to make so we don't get to burn out. That's right. Yeah. 
Well, thanks, Celeste. I've really enjoyed um, this stressful conversation. <laughs> I'm breathing, David. I'm not, I'm not stressed at yeah. all. <laughs> Deep breaths and relax. I might go do some yoga after this. What do you think? <laughs> or some gardening. Okay, so um, so we'll post on our website the picture of the um, hypothalamus um, pituitary adrenal axis and also some uh, small notes about some of the symptoms around adrenal fatigue so that you can easily check mm. out check out where you might be on the continuum. Oh, that'd be great. Um, and people can also check our website um, and we'll put some show notes there as well if um, there was anything um, particular that they were interested in and I think we've also got some links to some other websites um, or some articles talking about stress uh, in general and coping mechanisms and all those sorts of things. That's great. Okay, I right. look forward to our next drop, David. Yeah, me too. All right. See you, Celeste. See you later. Interested in using homeopathic healthcare in your life? David and Celeste are available for in-person consultations in Australia and through Skype. David runs a practice in Melbourne, Victoria, and Celeste in the Blue Mountains, New South Wales. You can find out more about David at www.holisticnotion.com and Celeste at www.celestehomeopath.com.au.